If you have your Bibles uh, this morning, we're back in Psalm 19, or if you haven't turned there already, turn to Psalm 19, and we're going to be reading uh, this psalm this morning. And I have a uh, message I've entitled this morning, God is speaking to us. God is speaking to us. Psalm 19, and we're going to be reading um, all 14 verses this morning. The Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voices is not heard. Their, uh, their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And let's pray this morning. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, once again, we're thankful for the time that we get to spend together, Lord. And now as your word is open, I pray that you'd speak uh, to our hearts. I pray that you'd use me and speak through me, Lord, that I would uh, communicate the message that you'd have for us this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God is speaking to us. It isn't that amazing thing that God speaks to us. You know, we look at us as uh, mankind and we're sinners. Uh, those who are unbelievers, there's no desire to listen to God. Rather, we see people trying to push God out of everything, yet still he graciously continues to speak to us. And there's, there's several ways that he speaks to us as mankind. I want to look at, at those this morning as we see laid out here in Psalm chapter 19, the Psalm of David. And first of all, this morning, I want you to notice that he speaks to us through creation. He speaks to us through creation. You know, you look all around us at creation, and we see God speaking to us. We see God's wisdom. We see his power. We see uh, his glory all throughout his creation. We see it throughout the heavens. We see it throughout the earth. We see throughout the scripture, we, we see psalmists that look at the marvels of heaven and earth, and they see God in it. They speak about it. In uh, Matthew 6, we see Jesus as he uses nature as an example to show God's providence and care for us. Paul, uh, several times he talks about God's revelation through creation, and we're going to look at that a little bit later. Uh, even in Romans uh, ten eighteen, we see that he, uh, he directly quotes uh, verse number 4 there in Romans. But we see people speaking throughout creation. Uh, Isaiah speaks of creation. 
in Isaiah chapter 40, very familiar verses, and uh, very uh, verses that people hold dear to them, but it all hinges on creation. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28, it says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. So notice it points out the creator of the ends of the earth. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So familiar portion of scripture, lots of people like that verse, but when you go back and read uh, into Isaiah 40, he's speaking on creation. He's speaking about the, the, the majesty of God and the amazing creation that God has made here on earth. And this promise is hinged upon that and hinged upon who God is and his power. You know, God is great and he's so mighty and he's created this universe. And we look at his creation and even just dialing down into this earth and what we can see as mankind. You know, we, we look at his creation, we can't even comprehend some of the things we see, the beauty we see, the majesty that we see in his creation. And we look at that and we say, wow, that's amazing. And Isaiah, as you read through here, he, he looks at this creation and he says, behold, this, uh, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. He's saying, what is this creation of God? This is nothing to him. God created this just by speaking. In six days he created what we see today. Lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things. He's saying here, as we read verse 31 and saying, the Lord shall renew their strength. He's saying, the creator of the ends of the earth, the one who created everything that we see, he's the one who's going to renew your strength. It all hinges upon looking at God and who he is and looking at his creation, the evidence that is seen there. And that's what Isaiah is using. We see it throughout scripture, the evidence of God through creation, seeing the need of a creator through creation. Verse number one here in our passage, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. So it says there is handiwork. That's talking about his skill, the craft that you see, the completed work. We see his handiwork. You know, oftentimes you'll say someone's handy, that person's handy. You know, to a certain extent, I could be handy sometimes. I could do small little repairs there and th- here and there. I'm not going to do a big renovation, but I, you know, I could patch a hole in the wall or little things around the building. When I was at my former job, I would uh, take care of the floors and strip and wax them, and burnish them, things like that. You know, I could be handy. My dad taught me how to work with tools from a young age, so I was able to help him. I was able to build certain things. And I could be handy. I, I, I'm handy enough that I can help someone else do a project. You know, I'm not going to hinder, slow them, slow them down. You know, sometimes you, you want to help someone, but you're slowing them down. It's kind of like having a toddler help, but they're not really helping. They're just there kind of getting in the way. But I could be handy sometimes, but if I was to compare how handy I was to someone else, you're going to say, well, that's a totally different level. So, for example, my brother-in-law. I was helping him out the last two days. He's handy, but his handy is on a different level. So they bought a new house and they're renovating their house. But when I say renovate, Friday, later in the afternoon on Friday, we took apart his roof. And when I say we took apart his roof, we removed his roof. 
off half his house. We ripped it off, ripped the boards off, and it was just his house was opened up. And neighbors are driving by, and it kind of looked like bottle uh, rubberneckers looking at an accent. They're like, what is he doing? His house is ripped apart. There's bins everywhere, and it's supposed to rain. Well, it's raining right now. So yesterday, everyone's still looking. All the neighbors are driving by, looking what's happening. In the span of 18 hours, he ripped off his roof, kicked in the ceilings, put new trusses up, rebuilt the roof, and is completely waterproof within less than 18 hours. He's handy. <laughs> you know, he can do things. And you say, well, that doesn't even compare. His level is higher. But then you look at God's handiwork. You know, it doesn't even compare. You can't even, we can't even fathom that God created this world, this universe. He spoke it into existence. It's not comparable to any of this that we, that we can do by ourselves. You know, we go to places like Niagara Falls, and you know, I still get the same feeling every time I go to Niagara Falls. You, just get, you get there, and you just kind of get enthralled by it. You're just sucked in about the, the, how mighty the waters are flowing over, and, it, and you try to understand how there's this much water just pouring over. Or you, if you've been, ever been anywhere with mountains, and you see the majesty of the mountains, how great they are, and you say, wow, that's amazing. God created that. I remember speaking to someone who said they, they've flown over the Grand Canyon. They've seen it. And they said, there's no way you can, you can go to the Grand Canyon and say there is no God once you see how great that is. The Lord speaks through us, through his creation. Verse number two, it says, Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. So both by day and by night, God's creation is speaking to us. Just in the workings of day and night and, and the seasons changing, things like that, we see it throughout creation. You know, the universe is so complex that when you look at it, when you consider it, it, it demands that there is a creator, that there's someone sustaining this world that we live in. You know, to, to look out the world and see how it works and how it's moving and how everything's working together so perfectly in order, mannerly, you have to be out of your mind to say this came from nothing, that we've evolved into this. You know, you take something as intricate as a clock or even a small watch and you look at it. And when I look at stuff like that, I think it's a work of art. You know, I purposely brought one of my watches today. And I love watches. I kind of stopped wearing them in the last while because it's just one more thing you have to get ready in the morning. <laughs> but I have this watch here, and you could see through it, and you see the inner workings. I like to show it in Sunday school when I try to use it as an object lesson to the kids. And I show them the clock, and you, show, you look at the inner workings of this one watch, and it's an automatic watch, so there's no battery. It just works by itself from the movements, and once you wear it, it keeps going. And you see those inner workings and how it works together perfectly, and it keeps the time perfectly, and the seconds, and the minutes, and the hours, and it keeps going and going perfectly. And you look at that, and you say, you know, you don't say, wow, I'm glad someone found this outside. It just, it was there with the rocks. It kind of just happened one day. It, 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 it evolved into this. No, that's not how it works. You, you look at something, you pick up a watch or whatever it is, and you look at it and you say, wow, somebody with skill, someone with dexterity, they, they, they had an idea, they designed it, they engineered it, they made sure that everything was going to work together. They put it together and they created this watch. There was a creator 
behind it. And when you look at something, you know, okay, there's something, there was someone behind it. There was a designer. There was someone who created that. I know Pastor Stone, he likes to use the, the uh, illustration. He takes a, a phone and he takes it apart and he puts it in a box. He uses it for kids as well. And he shakes the box and he goes, how long can I shake this before it becomes a phone? You know, he can stand there. I can take this watch apart and put it in a box and I can shake it for the rest of my life. And that watch will not even come close to being together, let alone working in order. There has to be a creator. There has to be a designer. And the same is true with God's creation. When you look at God's creation and you examine it, you know, it demands that there is a creator. And his creation speaks to us. Verses 3 and 4 in our passage says, There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. And in them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. So we see this creation, it speaks a universal language to all nations. It isn't limited to different people, but it's, it's visible to everyone. And this is the fact that Paul uses in, in Romans as he's speaking to prove that all people everywhere, no matter where, are under the wrath of God. Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Paul here is saying the heathen, they see God's power and they see his wisdom. They see his eternal Godhead in creation and they know that they have a responsibility to him. It doesn't matter where you're from, what language you speak. People know throughout creation that they are responsible to a God. You know, I've heard uh, studies of different remote people groups. You know, you can go out and find the most remote people group that are, is there and they all have some form of worship. They have some form of religion or some understanding that there is a God. And we look at some of those remote groups and we say, look, they, they live like savages and, and they live in the most basic means of life. But yet still in their state, they understand by looking around them and they say and they know there, there's something more than just us. We're not here by chance, but there is a creator. There is a God out there, and they realize that, and they're responsible to that God. Psalm 14, verse 1, it says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They're determining in of themselves to say that there is no God. You know, we look at nature, we look at creation, and it preaches sermons all around us, speaking to us every day, speaking to our hearts, speaking to unbelievers' hearts. And just as I try to use object lessons, we see that throughout nature, speaking to the hearts of man, speaking to the hearts of sinner. But many, they don't want to see that. They don't want to hear that. They want to write it off. They want to, to use different things to try to 
to write God out of the equation. But we see all around us that God is speaking to us. The lost sinner, wherever, wherever they are, whoever they are, no matter where they are on the globe, they stand com- condemned before God. God is speaking to us and you're saying, that's, that's your conclusion? You've come to the conclusion that we're all condemned? That's what we're getting from this? But we go on from there. God is speaking, us through us, speaking to us through creation. We see that all are condemned before God. But then we see that He speaks to us through Scripture. Amen? We have the Word of God and God speaks through us through Scripture. This law, this testimony, this commandment that we have, the Word of God is this personal revelation from God Himself. And He declares His grace to us. And we see it throughout the Scripture. From beginning to end, we see the grace of God. So we have the Scripture, and we see this uh, here in our passage from verses uh, 7 to 11. It's, we see uh, the psalmist here, David, speaking of the Bible. The Lord speaks through us through Scripture. So what is the Bible? And here in this passage, it gives a, a great breakdown. Verse number 7 at the beginning, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect. So we have the perfect law. You know, there's no error in the Bible. There's no error in the historical fact of the Bible. There's no error in any of the spiritual truth of the Bible. It records all things. It records the the lies of men. It records uh, the works of Satan. But the message of the Bible is that of truth. It's the perfect law. There's nothing to add to it. There's nothing to take away from it. You know, I get tired when you read certain things and people say, well, this verse technically should have said that. No, it's the Word of God. It's what it says. You can't take away from it. You can't add to it. You know, when you go to, um, or sometimes you see uh, uh, people going to their door, they have the Book of Mormon. If you ever look at the Book of Mormon, actually, if you ever go to a hotel room, they used to have uh, the Gideon's Bible in there, but now I've noticed in most hotels' room they'll have the Gideon's Bible and they'll have the Book of Mormon next to it. And on that Book of Mormon, you know what it says? It says, another testament of Jesus Christ. They say, well, we have the Bible, but let me give this to you too. Let's add on to this our own beliefs. And that's what people do. They try to add on to the Word of God. You know, the, the Mormons do it. You know, you think about the Catholics and the Pope. You know, what the, what the Pope says to them, that is the Word of God. He's speaking the Word of God. So what he says, what he determines, what he changes... It, it, it's law to them. It's the word of God to them. But that is not so. We have the truth. We have the complete word of God. And it doesn't matter what the Pope says. It is already complete. And we can't add to it or take away from it. We see it throughout cults. I've studied cults. And many of the cults, that's what they do. They say, well, I'm a messenger for God. God has spoken to me. Or I, it, it, it evolves from God has spoken to me to I am God. And what I say is the word. But we have the truth, the perfect law. Continuing on in verse number seven, it says, The testimony of the Lord is sure. The testimony of the the Lord is sure. So we see here the word does not change. It's sure, it's steadfast. It's God's testimony to man. It's uh, his witness of what is true and right. The word of God is sure. Verse number eight, we see it talks about the statutes of the Lord are right. The statutes of the Lord's are right. And the statutes here means uh, rules for daily living. They're right. You know, the world likes to say, well, your rules are different than my rules. 
And they like to say, well, it's all, it depends on who you are and who you talk to. But no, we see here that the statues, the rules of the Lord are right. It's what God has given to us, the means by where we live. The word of God is right, and obeying the word of God brings blessing to daily life. So the right statutes. And then we see that the commandment of the Lord is pure. The pure commandment of the, of the Lord. You know, just like I mentioned, these other sacred books, the, the Book of Mormons and uh, the Quran and all these different things, the sacred books of these world religions aren't pure. They're anything but pure. But we have the Word of God, the sure Word of God, and it's pure even when dealing with sin and dealing with the fault of man. Everything about it is pure and it leads us unto righteousness rather than allowing us to fall into sin like other books. So we have the pure commandment of the word of God. Verse number 9, it says, The fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is le- uh, clean. That, that phrase, fear of the Lord, is, is another reference into the law. Uh, and since the, since the word of God produces a reverence to God through the law, the fear of the Lord is clean. To fear God makes a person clean on the, as opposed to someone who's worshipping idols or worshipping something else or putting self forward. It makes a person filthy. The fear of God makes a person clean, living righteous, following the law, living by the precepts and the statutes that we find therein. Continuing in verse number 9, it says, the, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. True, righteous judgments. You know, based upon the word of God and based on what he's revealed to us, God's evaluation of men and things are true. He knows all things completely. You know, when I, I spoke here about creation speaking to us and how there's no men without excuse, we're all condemned before God based purely on his creation. That's God's judgment. His judgments are true. They're righteous. His evaluations are true. You know, it, it pays for us to believe what the Word of God says rather than trying to evaluate things on our own. You know, we'd like to do that. We like to try to feel things out on our own. But what we need to do is go to the sure Word of God where His judgments are right, His evaluations are right, and we can look upon it as a mirror and look at ourselves the way God sees us. Then we see the worth of the Word of God. Verse number 10, it says, More to be desired are they than gold. You know, the treasure that we have in the Bible. You know, you want to you want to know the value of the Bible and how treasured it is. Just read something like Psalm 119 where you have David just speaking about how great the word of God is to him. It's greater than gold. It's sweeter than honey. You know, the spiritual Christian doesn't need the things of this world to try to satisfy. And so often we do that. We go to the world to look for satisfaction. But here it says the word satisfies our spiritual appetite. It's everything that we need that we can get through God. And it's sweeter than honey. It satisfies the needs of our life. So we see what the Bible is, but then we see what the Bible does. So in all these verses, it spoke about what the Bible um, is. And then in the latter portion of each verse, it speaks about what it does. So in verse number 7, we see that it converts. It converts the sinner from his ways and restores the saint when he wanders. You know, it shows those who are unbelievers how they can be saved. It shows them the grace of God that has been provided for them. 
But it also restores us as believers, saints, when we walk away from God and we wander from Him, it restores us, it converts us back to God, it refreshes us, it heals us. It makes us wise in verse number 7. It, um, in verse number 8, it says, uh, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. We can rejoice in the word. Verse number uh, 8 as well, it enlightens the eyes. It endures. You know, other books fade and are forgotten, but God's word remains. It never fails, never leaves us. It can't be, uh, it can't be uh, destroyed. You know, you can, you can put the Bible up against anything and it's never going to wear out or wear down. It endures. It enriches. You know, it's better than gold, much fine gold. It's better than gold or silver. It satisfies the body. It warns us. In verse number 11, it says, Moreover by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. So it rewards as well. But we have the Bible, and it does all these things, and it helps us as we walk in this life, and it speaks to us. But in light of the creation that God has spoken to us, that condemns us, now we have the word of God that shows us the grace that God has given us. And it shows us what God has done for us. In verse John chapter 5, verse 11, it says, And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So God is speaking through us here through his word to show us the way how while we are condemned, he has provided the way that we need. And we see that not just in the New Testament, we see it from right from the very beginning, from Genesis right to the very end, that God came and he sent his son, he died for us to provide a way. We're condemned and we, he's spoken that through us, uh, to us through his creation, but now he's shown us his grace through his word. But lastly, I want you to notice uh, this morning is that he speaks to our hearts as well. He speaks to our hearts. And we see this through the conviction and conviction that we find in the word of God. Conviction through the word of God. In verse number 12 of our passage here in Psalm 19, it says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me me from secret faults. It says, Who can understand his errors? You know, God has spoken to us through creation. He's speaking to us through his word, but now he's convicting us through his word as well. Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You know, the... If we have a deceitful heart, how can we discern a deceitful heart? You know, it's impossible. And we see that throughout uh, the world today. They say, well, follow your heart. You have to do what's right to you and things like that. Listen to your heart. But that's not how, how it works. Our heart's deceitful. But based upon the word of God and what God has spoken to us, God convicts our hearts. And he shows us what is right. And he shows us where we are wrong and how we fall before God and fail uh, uh, to, to attain salvation because we're sinners. You know, the Word of God is a mirror, and we look at the Word of God, and it shows us our faults. Galatians 3.24, it says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. You know, we have the Word of God, and we see the law in the Old Testament. It was there to show people that you can't follow the law, and 
when you do break the law, God is there to forgive you. We see the mercy of God, we see the grace of God, and God convicts us by what the Word of God says. It was our schoolmaster that we might be justified by faith. In James chapter 1, it has that idea as well of, of the glass. James 1 verse 22, it says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So we see that we have conviction through the word of God, and the word of God speaks through us, and we need to be a doer of the word. There's conviction there, and that conviction is what's going to push us to a point where we need to accept or reject the Lord. But it convicts our heart. God speaks through us through his word. But as well, it cleanses us. It cleanses us. Verse number 12, it says, Cleanse thou me from secret faults. It cleanses us. And what is that cleansing agent that we find in the word of God? How will we cleanse? Right from the very beginning, like I've said, from Genesis to Revelation, we see the blood of Jesus. It was always pictured. It was pictured by the, the slaying of a clean unblemished land, the picture of the perfect lamb. It was pictured back then in the Old Testament, and it's pictured all the way up until Jesus, the final sacrifice. The perfect lamb came to die and shed his blood for us. First John verse 1, uh, verse 7 says, The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we see that we have conviction in the word, but it shows us the, how we have cleansing in the word as well. So we find salvation through the word of God, how we can be saved through Jesus Christ and faith in him. And then it cleanses us, but as well for uh, those who are saved, those who are believers, we see that it helps us to control our lives as well. Verse number 13, it says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be an innocent from the, from the great transgression. So here David is saying, keep me from these sins. You know, I'm cleansed, you've cleansed me. But in my life, I need the Lord's help to control me, to, to keep me from these presumptuous sins. And these presumptuous sins that David here is talking about is the sins that you will willfully do, deliberate sins that you're going out to do. And David here is saying, Lord, by your word, by what you're speaking to me, help control me. Help, help me stop, stop me from walking into these sins, going out and doing these presumptuous sins. So it helps to control us as well. And there's so much more that we can speak, talk about how the Lord convicts us, but he speaks to our hearts. God is speaking to us today. He's speaking to all of us. He's speaking to the whole world. And when you look at the world's perspective of how they see things and their idea of how the world is here and how creation is here, well, they don't call it creation, how, how what they see is here, you know, it's just another random accident. And once that's a random accident, it just rolls down the line to the point that we're all this random accidents too. 
You know, why are we here? What's our purpose? What's the point? You know, there's no meaning. There's no purpose. And with that being said as well, there, a, a person has no value. You know, what value is my life to anyone else? Among the billions of people out there, yeah, they try to tell you that you need to have self-value and self-worth. But in reality, if, if it's just me on my own and I don't have someone pep-talking me, who am I? I'm, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I have no worth in this world. That's the world's perspective. That's their idea of what we, what we are. We have to create something great out of our own life. But that's not how it is. That's not what God is speaking to us today. God is speaking to us, and he speaks to us through his creation. And God's creation is so great, isn't it? It's, it's an amazing thing. And, you know, we go out, we enjoy... People enjoy traveling. They enjoy seeing, going to see this uh, scenery and, and going to see different sites and places and, and going out camping, things like that, enjoying nature. And you look at God's creation and say, it is so great. And one of my favorite things I love about God's creation is seeing the stars. You know, maybe you get away from the city or maybe it's a clear night in the city and you look up at the stars and it's just an amazing thing. Uh, amazing thing. And, I know during the summer months you can look up and you can see different planets just with your naked eye. You don't need a telescope, anything. You can just uh, different bright, uh, different bright stars. They look like, but they're different planets. You know, I think it was last week I looked up and you can see the little red tint of Mars. You can see that. That's amazing. But some nights in the city, if it's a clear night, you can see the stars. But when you get away out to the country, you maybe you go out camping, things like that. And you look up and you see a couple stars go pop out. And it seems like within seconds you look up again and there's more stars. And before you know it, the whole sky is just filled with stars. And it's just an amazing thing to see these stars out in the sky, this canvas, this beauty, this beautiful picture that you see God paint across the sky. And we see God's creation so great and uh, I, I spoke before about how in the Psalms, many of the psalmists, they speak about God's creation and what it, and how it's all to His glory. Just like we read in verse number 1. In Psalm 148, it's here speaking about God's creation and how, how God is worthy of their praise. Psalm 148 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise ye Him, all His angels. Praise ye Him, all His hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. And God created all things that they would be glorifying unto him, that they would be praised to him. He created all things. Psalm 147, if you were to jump back and look there, in verse number, 40, uh, verse number 4, it says, he telleth the number of the stars, and he calleth them all by their names. You know, isn't that an amazing thing? All the stars that we can even see with the naked eye. Think about the universe. God can number the stars, and he calleth them by their names. And that's the God that we serve. That's the God who created us, and that's the God who's speaking to us even today. And he's speaking to all hearts. He's speaking to unbelievers on, based on his creation. And by the world standards, this world that we live in, we're nobody. But to God, He created us and He created this great creation. And it gets better than this. He can name the stars and He can number them 
But who are we before God? In light of this creation, in light of this universe, who are we before Him? In Psalm 139, it says, verse 14, it says, I will praise Thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are Thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Listen, each and every one of us here today are made. We're part of God's creation. He made us with a plan. He made us with a purpose. And he's speaking to us. Verse number 17, it says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sands. When I awake, I am still with thee. So think about this. This God our great and mighty God who created this universe, who can name all the stars, He can number them. He created this amazing world that we live in, the majesty that we see in the waters going over Niagara Falls and the mountains and whatever else we see in this world. God still created us and He cares for each and every one of us. It says God's, God's thoughts towards us. It says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. Can you think about that? That God who created this universe is thinking about you. He cares for you. And he's speaking to you today. So in the world's eyes, we're nobody. We have no value, but before God, we're everything. And he's speaking to us. He thinks of us. He cares for us. He provides for us. But most importantly, he died for us. While we are yet sinners, in a sinful state, God would die for us. So in his creation, he's spoken to us. And yet still he's condemned us before God because no one was without excuse. But then he speaks through us through his word, shows us his grace and shows us how, like we read in 1 John 5, how this is the record that God gave us that we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And then he convicts our heart through the word as well. He speaks to our heart. Listen, God died for us. And if you're here today or if you're watching online and you've never been saved, you don't understand how God can love you. God died for you and he loves you. He cares for you. He created you. And we all have a purpose. Each and every one of us have a purpose. <clears throat> and in light of that as well, as believers, this God who created the world, he created us, and all his creations were made to glorify him and to praise him. And how much more do, does he, is he worthy of our praise and, and, and our glory because he died for us and he saved us? God is speaking to us today. So as a believer, let me ask you this. Is God speaking to you today? Is God still talking to you? Do you remember when you first were saved and you were excited and you were in God's word and God was just speaking to you and you were in the word and you were getting so much truth and God was just directing your life? Are you experiencing that same thing today? Is God speaking to you on a daily basis? Are you walking with him you know, just as Adam walked with God in the garden, he fellowshiped with him in the garden, but then that sin happened and he, he was spiritually separated from God. And God's speaking to Adam, he says, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And Adam's trying to hide from God. There was a rift in their relationship. You know, God knew where Adam was. He knew where he was. But there was that rift in that relationship. There was that separation. So let me ask you today as a believer, is God still speaking to you? Do you want God to speak to you? You know, you can go to Him. Just like the Word of God convicts us and it cleanses us, it, it, it restores us, it, it shows us how we can be restored with Him. All the answers we have, God speaks to us through His Word. And we can walk with Him on a daily basis. 
But you need to draw nigh to God. You need to return to God and ask for forgiveness and ask God to speak to you again. Get back into his word. So whether you're a believer, God's speaking to you. And whether you're here today or you're watching online, God is speaking to you and he wants you to be saved. And I hope that we're all listening today. And let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful that you speak to us. God of all creation, the mighty God who created everything, you speak to us. In your very design and how you planned it all, you speak to us, Lord. And we see it every day and we marvel at your work and, and, and it gives glory to you, Lord. And I pray that we realize that all around us, Lord, you're speaking to us and that you're, you're speaking to us through your word and you're convicting us as well, Lord. And that based upon what we see in your word and how you speak to us, Lord, that we would make the changes that we need to make, that we would uh, live according to the statutes that we find, to the precepts that are there, the righteous living that your word lays out, Lord. I pray that we would have a desire to follow that as believers, Lord. But I pray if there's uh, anyone, Lord, listening, watching this later on, Lord, that they'd realize that there is a God and that we are all condemned before God because of our sin. But that you've also spoken to us and you provided a way in that Based upon what the word of God says, we know that you sent your son to die on the cross to save us from our sins. And that if we believe upon him through faith, Lord, we can be saved. And I pray that the world would realize this, Lord. And as believers, we'd be faithful in sharing this with other people. And as you do the work and as you convict, Lord, I pray that you would, we'd be able to see people saved. Especially during these trying times in our lives, Lord, and the state of the world. And people are searching and looking for hope. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to hearts, that you speak to lives, and that you'd use this church in a special way, Lord, to, to show people and point them to you and to your salvation. And I pray, Lord, as believers as well, Lord, that we'd just be listening, that we'd be walking with you, and that we'd be fellowshipping with you, Lord, and that we'd be listening to what you say, and that as you speak to us through your word and you convict us, Lord, as you cleanse us, Lord, I pray that we just draw closer to you, Lord, and that we just become more like you. And I pray that you just be with us now as we finish out the rest of the service, Lord, that we take this as we head into another week, Lord, and as things head back to normal, Lord, that we just have a desire to listen to you and to obey what your word says. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.